Welcome to the Athlete and the Average Joe, an Eclipse Fuel podcast. I'm Georgia, performance dietitian and athlete. And I'm Ryan, primary school teacher and regular guy. We're here to make healthy and fulfilling living more attainable with handy hints that are realistic and sustainable. That even I can implement. We're all about good vibes here, so drop five stars, subscribe, and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone. I know you're hearing a different voice introducing us today, but um, I'm going to be running the show and I'm going to be asking Georgia a few questions about healthy eating and healthy eating habits. So, hi, George. How are you today? I'm well. I'm very excited to be a bit more in the passenger seat today. I think it'll give you a good opportunity to hear your lovely voice anymore now. Yeah, I know last time I was a bit quiet, but that's because it was uh, Georgia taking the reins as she normally does. But yeah, I think today what we've got is uh, is good for me to be running it. We're going to run it a bit like a, a session that she would have with some of her clients while she's um, in her role as a dietitian. And we thought that would be a good idea to just to get some questions out of the way, do some myth busting and uh, yeah, talk about a couple of couple of other things. Yeah, so we'll essentially go through just some questions like the average person would have regarding healthy eating and where to start. Um, and we will do it a little bit like a client session. We probably won't do a full diet history like I would usually do with Ryan if he was coming to see me, but we'll do some of these like basic questions. So essentially, it's like someone stopped me in the street, or I generally just get these questions from. The everyday people too. Um, so shall we just jump right in, Ryan? Yeah, I would probably call it the elevator pitch. Yeah. The five minute version, <laughs> except it'll maybe be twenty to twenty five minute version. You're going up like a hundred four elevator. <laughs> yeah, in somewhere in Dubai. Yeah. So um, I've been thinking, and lots of people have been thinking, Georgia, where do I start? What should I even eat? You know, I just, I just don't know where to begin. Yeah, this is a really common place to be. I think I saw a really good quote the other day, and I'm going to butcher it as you always do when you're reflecting back on good quotes. Of course. Is that we have so much information, but not enough clarity with knowledge. Uh, okay. So we're absolutely swamped with all these details about <coughs> diet and what we should do, what we should eat, what we shouldn't eat, what's going to kill us, what's going to keep us alive. But we just really need to keep it back to basics. So whenever someone says, what should I eat? I just bring it back to the general healthy eating guidelines. And I know some people get a bit up in arms about this only guide to healthy eating and that they think it's causing obesity. But when 7% of the population actually meets those guidelines, it's pretty hard to say that that's causing some issues with our health. Um, so I sometimes get a bit up about that because no one actually eats. Yeah. Well... I mean, we, we've got it right in front of us now. And um, for anyone who wants to know, this is on eatforhealth.gov.au if you want to check that out. But looking at it, it looks like, um, well, it's broken into five sections, the five food groups, but there's a lot of carbs on there. Yeah. What, um, so, you know, when people look at that and they go, oh, gee, I don't know if I can eat that much carbs or... I just don't have time for that or I'll get too full. What would you sort of say to that? Yeah, so when we're looking at the Australian Guide to Healthy Eating, it has been updated since what used to be the food pyramid, which we all used to know. Oh, okay. Um, and the actual serve sizes that fit into the different categories aiming to meet 
the recommendations for 80-90% of the population, so the healthy people that are walking around. But what it is, is it's a pie graph, not a plate. So when okay. we're looking at it, it's okay. distributed into areas where predominantly it's plant-based, so most of that plate, um, sorry, pie graph, is made up of vegetables, fruit, and then our whole grains as well. Okay. And what it represents is the proportion of serves that are recommended. So most of these are like just to help guide you as a starting point. If you are taller, or you're more active, you can eat more. Or if you just don't feel like eating all that, you can eat less as well. So it does look like a lot of whole grains because probably on the image that we're looking at now, it's like, it's kind of like a peace sign. So like the left-hand section of the peace sign is like predominantly whole grains, but that's four to six serves a day. Okay. So what that would look like, one slice of bread is a serve or okay. a third of a cup of muesli or half a cup of pasta. And is that all stuff that you can find online as well to yeah. know how much one serve is? Yeah. Because I always find when I'm making a meal that I I over, over put stuff on my plate. I put too much on my plate because of my swimming days. I just used to need fuel. Um, so I, I feel like I struggle with that now and you tell me a lot that I'm eating too much. Yeah. And I try not to do it from a place of Ryan, you're too fat, you're eating too much. That's awful. But (laughs) I do it from a space of if you eat that much, then that's excess food that we have to spend more money on. And also I want you to be getting in all the adequate nutrients that you need. If you eat too much of one food group, then you're not going to get enough of another nutrient in. All right. Yeah. And I think, um, it's important (laughs) when you mentioned that it is a guide, I think a lot of people take this as gospel. Oh, yeah. So as George said, if you're taller, you need a little bit more. If you're shorter or more petite, you might need a little bit less. But um, remembering that it's a guide, but it is all evidence-based. So this is done over a long, long time. How many years? This will take about, I think it probably took them like over five years to complete. And it's thousands, like hundreds of thousands of articles Um, And each country has their own guidelines, so it's all relevant. So when we're talking about people implementing healthy eating, we want them to focus on this. But within this pie graph, there's also a set of basic guidelines as well. So they talk about, you know, trying to limit your sugar, limit your saturated fats, trying to ensure that you're eating safe food. So using, practicing, like, I guess, good hygiene and making sure the food is kept in safe place and, you know, not going to get too hot and grow bacteria. Um, it's all about promoting those healthy strategies within those guidelines as well. So it's not just the pie graph and you having to go off on by yourself. But if you need more information and you're not willing to go and um, invest some money with the dietitian, which I would advise you to do, you can start there if you need some information. Yeah, just a little bit of research. Yeah, yeah. But if I was going to be more specific to the average person that comes to me and tells me where to start... Uh, we would go through their diet history and a lot of people just really struggle with regular eating habits. They either eat not at all and then eat a massive dinner. You'd be very surprised how many people I see that do that. Or they might have lunch, they might not. They might have breakfast, they might not. They just don't have a regular routine. Yeah. So if you're going to start anywhere, it would be to start having breakfast, lunch and dinner and then helping to follow your hunger and fullness signals from there. Yeah. Another thing I've been thinking is when I'm trying to cook or make healthy food, looking at it and tasting it, sometimes it's really bland. How how can I make healthy food taste good? Yeah, that's a common thing. And I think a common misconception that people have is that, you know, for instance, we want people to eat more vegetables. So 
not much of the population actually eats their veggies. It's about 5%. And that's the five serves that we recommend. So if we wanted people to eat more veggies, I really just recommend them making it taste good with herbs and spices. You know, even just having the salt and pepper. If you're cooking from scratch, adding seasoning is very important. And using recipes. So that's going online and using the recipes that they have available to make things taste a bit better. Okay. Rather than just relying on meat and three veg. Right. When I think about coming home after work and cooking or even in the mornings before I go to work, a lot of the time after a long day at school, I'm pretty tired and I just feel like I don't have the energy to do it mm. or I just don't have the time to do it, you know? Yeah. How, how do I get around that? Yeah, that's, again, we've got such busy lifestyles these days. There's so many things on our plates. And for most people, eating just seems like another chore, another thing they have to tick off and be good at. And it can be really overwhelming. But, I mean, when people say that they have no time to me, I try and be quite blunt and I just think, oh, so it's not a priority. Like being healthy to you or fueling your body isn't a priority right now. So instead of saying, I don't have time... Could you replace that with it's not a priority? Yeah, and just see how that makes you feel. Mm, okay. So, you know, that might be a bit confronting. And that's okay if it's not a priority. When I sit down with people, you know, we've got a lot of stuff going on in our lives. And we can't always focus our energy on everything. Yeah, okay. So, if it's not a priority right now, that's okay. But you, you need to accept that and give your energy to the areas that need focus. So... Maybe you're having a lot of money struggles. Maybe you're really stressed at work. Maybe you've got family issues that you need to focus some energy on first. And that's okay. But you, at some point, if, if it's important to you, you've got to make it your one or two priority and invest some time into it. I suppose if you are trying to make a new habit and it isn't a priority, recognizing that it's not a priority or, or that it's an issue mm. is probably the first step in overcoming that or making it better i guess definitely so when if you listen to the last podcast we're talking about goal setting and and making sure you're investing that energy into creating a habit because it is hard but when we talk about goal setting as well we talk about a few different scales so there's a confidence scale and an importance scale so we want to rate ourselves from one being like not very important to us to change or like not even on our radar to 10 being very important so if you rate yourself a seven or above that goal is really important for you to change straight away. So if that's where you invest the time, if it's less than that, then you know maybe it's not the right time to put the energy in. And then the confidence is sort of the skills involved with creating that change. So again, if it's above a seven, you're pretty confident you've got the skills. If it's below, well, then you need to do that research or reach out to someone who's going to help you in that area. So if you were going to relate that to healthy eating, if it was really important to you but you maybe didn't have the skills, that would be a perfect time to see a health professional like a dietitian. Yeah, so I suppose if it's if you can do it, and if you can't, get someone who can help you do it. Exactly, it's and pretty simple. Yeah, if we're going back to you know not having enough time, I'm obviously not going to be like you got to make the time for it, otherwise I'm not going to help you. It's working with the person with their lifestyle. So I would never give someone you know cook from scratch or do this or do that if they don't have the time to do it. We'd think of some strategies to help them implement. So one of the biggest things is thinking about your meals ahead of time. So what am I going to have for dinner? What am I going to have for lunch? What am I going to have for breakfast? And planning that at the start of the week. And then that next step is maybe cooking some components or preparing some components ahead of time so it's as easy as possible when you get home. 
So there's a few different ways you can do this. You can do like a buffet meal prep, which is something I've been investing a little bit more in lately because I find sometimes I feel like different things and it helps just throw together a meal. So essentially that would be cooking up a carbohydrate component of the meal, a protein component, and then some veggies. And then when I get home, I just put whatever I feel like on a plate. So it might be one to two options of each. And then add some condiments. So pesto, you know, a mayo, an olive oil dressing, or maybe then I might cook into something else as well, like a curry or a pasta. And how much time do you think if we were, or if, if our listeners were to do um, a buffet meal prep or even just meal prepping in general, how much time as a little bit of a rule of thumb do you think would be good to set aside for that? And when, you know, when's a good time to do it? Yeah, so... I guess for most people, meal prep and planning's best done on the weekend. This is for the standard schedule if you're working Monday to Friday. Um, but for others, that their Monday to Friday might be over different days. So it's whatever days are going to be like the start or before your week. Um, so you are going to get better at this as the more you do it. So it's a skill. So when you first do it, you're going to be slow. It's going to take a while. So if you are new to it, I suggest... Planning on, say, a Friday night for the next week or a Saturday morning. Do your shopping that day or order your groceries online to pick up and then cook Sunday. Okay. So that might get you, you know, you might have time within two hours of cooking to prep three to four different meals. That's pretty good. Yeah, and it's really easy. So it's about making the most of that time. So it's if how many things you can put in the oven at the same time, how many things can you cook on the stove while one thing's, you know, steaming in your, in your rice cooker. Um, it's about trying to make the most of the time that you have allocated. And then there's the technique of picking like similar ingredients to cook at the same time. So if you were doing a buffet meal prep, that's really easy. Cause you just maybe roast some potatoes and sweet potato. You might boil some rice. You might cook some like a chicken, a whole chooks can feed, you know, eight to ten people. Um, or maybe you're just cooking up some, some beans on the stove as well. And then the vegetable component could just be some fresh salad or some steamed veg as well. So that could be done probably within an hour, an hour and a half. If it was the other option, which is cooking meals, of course that takes a little bit more time because the whole meal's prepped and all you need to do is reheat it. But you can pick really like basic family options like a, a lasagna, a curry, a casserole, a stir fry, any sort of baked options, usually pretty easy. Yeah, okay. And what about those times in the week when you just feel like you need a little something more and you know, you want to treat yourself and you want some of those sometimes foods. When how often what what do you say to people who just really can't get a hold of I suppose, those habits of getting their chocolate, ice cream, all of those different types of things that, you know, we're told are bad for us and we shouldn't eat. What what advice do you give to those people? Yeah, I think that's a really hard thing for most people to get that balance in, in what they're eating. So for most of us, we've been told for a very long time that these foods are bad, we shouldn't have them. But what we do see, and the evidence is really strong, is that as soon as we restrict something, we end up eating it in excess and, and moving more towards that binging culture. And anytime time we create food rules or really restrictive around our eating, we are putting ourselves at risk of creating eating disorder. Oh. So it's really important that we try not to have a bad food list or have banned foods. 
And I come from a place of like the non-diet approach and intuitive eating where all foods fit. So we'll probably do a podcast on intuitive eating as an approach and, and how that sort of impacted my eating habits because I, in my teenage years, I was very restrictive with things like carbohydrates and like to be honest, on reflection, I probably did have some sort of eating disorder or very high risk disordered eating. Um, so I've come from a place of there to being really balanced with my eating. And what I say to people is that all foods fit and we don't want to have any food rules or restrict foods because that's when we end up focusing on them too much and we end up binging. You know, if you actually feel like eating something, so if you reflect and feel like eating a chocolate bar, there's no point eating an apple, a muesli bar, a couple of carrot sticks and then going back and eating that chocolate bar anyway because you're never going to be satisfied. Yeah. That, that You're always going to have that image of that chocolate bar and what you actually want to eat. If you feel like that is you, you do have to work first on removing your rules around dieting and restricting food as a first step and as an intuitive eating process to that. But then we can look at including more fun foods more frequently. It could be something small, like a paddle pop just to start with, something you're more comfortable with. And then when you include these foods more regularly, you're more satisfied with smaller quantities rather than feeling that need to binge because you don't know when you might get this treat again what becomes an issue is that people are very very restrictive and then under eat during the day and then they get to night time and their body is telling them well you haven't eaten all day i'm, I'm gonna make you eat something yeah. and you eat the block of chocolate you eat you know a whole pack of the biscuits or you go back and have second third fourth helpings at dinner because you haven't eaten all day yeah okay so it's it's about focusing on fueling your body to make you feel good and that's a re- key part of intuitive eating is using a lot of you know past wisdom is like if you ate ice cream all day every day for like the, all your meals you're going to feel pretty crap so it's about reflecting on how good food makes you feel like when you eat it from a balanced approach and how crappy it makes you feel when you only eat non-nutritious foods but also how crappy it makes you feel when you only eat a salad because that's not very satisfying either yeah, because I know I've tried to have smaller meals and I've probably gone too far because I know that I do need quite a lot of food to keep me to keep me feeling full or keep me feeling happy. Um, and then I get to the end of the day and I just think, where where's my energy? But I'm just going too far the other way, I think. Yeah, so definitely. finding that balance, as you're saying, is probably really important. Well, yeah. not even probably. It, it is, is really important. important. So when we're thinking about like, those little things that we want to have. I, I really encourage people, I call them fun foods, but we want to have those fun foods. When we actually feel like them. So when we eat them, they taste delicious and they're satisfying to our taste buds. We've taken away that restriction and then we can usually eat them in small quantities because we're eating it mindfully. If we throw it down at our desk at two or three o'clock, that's when it can zap our energy and we get the negative effects from the sugar rush or high fat content. Most people, they hit 3.30 and they're craving something sweet. They have a chocolate bar from the vending machine or something, you know, some couple of sweet biscuits with their tea from the tea room. Instead, pair that with a piece of fruit or some yogurt or a whole grain that's going to keep you full and give you energy while you're also meeting that sweet craving. So think about what you want to get from that meal or that snack. If it's post-dinner, it's probably just because you want something sweet to follow the meal and having that chocolate by itself would be fine. Cool. Well, that's a lot of information, but that is just a really small part of what you do as a dietitian and what we need to know just as people. So we're going to move forward and go into some myth-busting because 
in our age, we're in the technology age, and there's a lot of information out there, as you brought up before. Um, so let's try and find a little bit of clarity. Yep. So what would you say to someone that says carbs are the devil or, you know, I don't eat carbs even? I was really shocked when I started private practice about the extent of carb phobia that exists in society. Like I knew it was bad, but literally every female, you know, it's not just female specific, but most of the people I would speak to were females, very much restricted their carbohydrate intake and then wondered why post-dinner they were eating a lot of food or feeling out of control around food okay so carbs break down to glucose so a simple form of sugar once they're digested and that feeds our brain predominantly that's the number one fuel source for our brain but also for our muscles so we use it first above all other fuels we break it down really easily and use it really easily so we need it as part of our diet for energy our bodies are wired they're we're, we're made to have carbs and glucose, right? Yeah, that's definitely. what we that's what we need. Definitely. And if you don't give it to it, it'll make it. So even when you are, you know, keto in inverted commas or paleo, whatever you are, um, those sort of strategies, you know, each to your own if you're going to follow those style of eating. But the evidence and research behind it is limited. So if, even if you went down that path, your body then converts that fuel into a usable form of glucose so it will create it through the liver pathways so you'll have it at some point just from a different fuel source so that's why it's important to kind of just eat it anyway but the real issue is is that carbohydrates have a lot of other nutrients within them so when we take out carbohydrates of course we're going to you know lose weight if that's mainly the goal of reducing it so why else would you eliminate a food group Mm. because you're taking out what should be about 40 percent of your 40 to 50 percent of your energy intake so of course you're going to lose weight and also carbs hold water so for every gram of carbohydrate we hold we roughly hold about three grams of water molecules so every time someone says i'm on a low carb diet and i've lost five kilos in two weeks it's water but you know obviously coming from non-diet space i don't want people focusing on weight loss to begin with i want them to fuel their body appropriately and carb and carb containing foods usually are associated with high fiber foods or high in B vitamins. Um, They have so many other nutrients that we then become void of. So we're seeing a lot now, obviously, in the gut health space being a very popular topic, is that those people that have been on really restrictive low-carbohydrate diets have terrible microbiome. Our microbiome is made up of trillions of bacteria and other things like parasites, and basically they feed on the fibrous and starchy components of our foods and carbohydrates, and they ferment them and produce byproducts which help in our general health, like producing hormones, our mental health, our mood, digestive aspects as well. And if we don't have a a good um, balance or a diverse microbiome, then we see poor health issues. So if we take away their main food, which is high fiber foods that ferment in the gut then they're going to die as well so there's a lot of health issues that come from removing carbohydrates so in the scheme of things we've we've become very carb phobic but you need them so your body will rely on them and if you avoid them it'll just tell you to eat we're very programmed to eat it and that's what i often see people not having enough carbs during the day and then their body's just over consuming them at night so as a guide, I sort of recommend around one to two fist sizes of carbohydrates. So if you clench your fist, that's about a portion of carbs. You know, if you're not very active, one will probably do at your main meals. So that could be a couple of slices of bread. It could be about a cup of pasta, a small potato, a um, piece of fruit. 
And then if you're more active, you can have more than that or snack on them as well. Cool. Um, and what I would say to everyone out there listening is that as Georgia is an accredited dietitian, she has to follow evidence-based research that's done over longitudinal studies over, you know, probably a couple of decades. So for people that are following different diets and if it's working for you, that's great. However, when if you're listening to our podcast and the advice that George is giving, just know that it, it's coming from that space that is over a long, long time and it's all government approved, mm-hmm. all of that sort of stuff. So and the, I guess like people in this day and age, we're, we're becoming less trusting of government issues and that's just a whole nother kettle of fish. So I think we, we start to question what information is coming towards us yeah. and that's where we come from. We come from science like you what we see now is that we see these people who create fad diets that have no evidence backing them that usually have a celebrity endorsing them that will have a product that you have to buy to do it and all they do is exclude some sort of food group so if you can see that then it's probably a fad diet and something you want to avoid but then there's also different styles of eating patterns so like paleo keto veganism, all those things, which as dietitians, we have a high level of knowledge about those eating patterns and how we can manipulate your food to still meet your nutritional requirements, even though you're excluding food groups. So we won't not work with you if you choose to eat that way. That's your choice. So that's what we want to emphasize is you eat how you want to eat. But what we see with these diets that come through and the fads is that they're all or nothing. It's that my approach works and no other approach works, which we know isn't true. Nutrition is very gray. It's not black and white. And those all or nothing approaches is what makes it confusing for everybody. All right. So moving heavy for like that. But I, you know, I just, I'm very passionate as Ryan knows. I've eased a little bit in the last couple of years, but it just, it becomes frustrating sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I mean, I I see it firsthand from your perspective, but it's, uh, you know, everyone eats. So lots of people feel like they're professionals in that zone. And but, they are. You are the own expert of your own body. Yeah, of course. Um, now, as a little segue, talking about those diets, if I was to choose a diet, what diet would you recommend? Because <laughs> I'm looking to lose weight, so I need to go on a diet. Yeah, so I feel like that's everyone just feels like they need to lose weight. And that's the society that we've created. We've created a society that has the thin ideal in mind. And it's really difficult to move away from that place. So if someone came to me and they want a weight loss, I wouldn't turn them away. I'd just say, hey, can we, can we pin that? Can we put it on the bench? Can we put it to the back of your mind for a little bit? Because what you actually really want for yourself is to be happy and healthy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know for me. is going to get there. Yeah. I mean, I know for me after, after being partners with you for almost six years now, um, We've done a lot of talking about what is the what is the main goal, um, and I think we've been tricked into thinking that it's to be skinny because yeah. it, because it looks good in inverted commas. Yeah. Um, but if you get to the crux of it, like that that image that we have about ourselves and that that low body image or that wanting to change, so many people will lose weight and they'll get to that goal number that they've set and still not be happy. So. We need to kind of just accept the body we're in. We're very lucky if we're able-bodied and, you know, Ryan and I are white privileged as well. So that is something that goes in our favor. So it's about accepting the place that you're at 
and mm. thinking about what do you actually want to achieve from making a change to your to your lifestyle and your diet. So for most people, when they think about their why or they think about what's important to them, it comes more down to I want to feel better, I want to be more confident, you know, I want to achieve these things. And we can do that through making you have more fuel, not by having less. Yeah. Cool. So, so don't diet. <laughs> so synopsis of that. So I think what George is trying to say is the no diet diet. Um, and we'll get into that in another in another session, another podcast, because that's, as George said, a whole nother, another kettle of fish. But it's just so broad. We, re- we really can't cover it right now. But I think, you know, we can talk about, again, reiterating what we talked about at the start, you know, fitting in all foods and thinking about what we call a balanced plate. So if we're talking about nutrition, which is one of the last steps we implement with people, a healthy balanced plate is predominantly vegetables, so half our plate, that fist-sized portion of carbohydrates, and then a palm-sized portion of lean protein, and then a little bit of healthy fats as well to keep us satisfied. If you can aim for that at lunch and dinner, that can fit whatever eating plan that you want to follow. Hmm. Okay. Well, that leads in, again, segues today are phenomenal. Um Okay, now, we just got cut off there, so <laughs> Georgia uh, forgot to switch her phone to silent. I actually did put it on Do Not Disturb, but because my phone's connected to my Mac, it ah, came up on my Mac that it was ringing, so... Technology, the undoing. Uh, yes, good old, like, just being average podcasters. <laughs> All right, where were we? Where were we? Now, linking back to busy lifestyle, you know... I'm trying to get ahead in my career. I'm only just starting. Um, cooking from scratch, fresh food takes a lot of time. What would you say is frozen food okay? Can I can I find meals? What what types of things would you recommend for those people who are really trying to eat healthily and want to cook from scratch, but they really might just not have enough time? Yeah, and I think that is one aspect within um, some of the diets we do see in terms of like clean eating, where they. Th- Everything has to be from scratch. Nothing has to be processed. When in reality, for the average person, that's not realistic. So we're always about realistic changes and something that's going to be sustainable. So you can have a balance when you do have time. You know, cook a stir fry from scratch, make the sauces yourself, etc. But a lot of the time, a frozen option like frozen vegetables is just as nutritious as the fresh option. Okay. So if you need to rely on cut up frozen veg to have sort of as a freezer staple, that's perfectly okay. And same with frozen fruit. And often it's like, it's cheaper as well. Like frozen berries are usually much cheaper than the fresh variety. In terms of like having pantry staples or frozen meals we just want to make sure that they're not sort of high in salt and high in fat which can be a bit of an issue right so it might just be having elements available to you so having some frozen fish pieces for example versus having like a mccain's battered fish pack with peas so having the individual elements rather than those frozen meals but there are some healthier options so there's healthy choice um, Michelle Bridges has a good one, and there's a few other brands that kind of could be a good fallback. They're a little bit more expensive, so say five to six dollars a meal, but they're often on special, so you could stock up, stock up with like three or four as an absolute fallback. Um, otherwise, you know, like a scrambled egg is fine to have. Uh, baked beans are fine to have for dinner. A toasted sandwich is fine to have. So you don't need to be having, you know, these crazy recipes all the time. 
you can think, okay, what night's going to be, um, you know, for most people it might be a Thursday or a Wednesday, it's pretty you know, middle of the week, you're trying to get through, you're running out of grocery items, like what can you fall back on as a recipe to cook really quickly? Just something to get you through the night. Yeah. It doesn't have those elements. Does it have some vegetables? <clears throat> Does it have some carbs? Does it have some protein? If you can cover that off, then you're doing okay. Cool. I think most people want to be really perfect with their eating habits and it's about consistency, not perfection. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, we, I mean, we've been brought up in an age where we get things now. That's just what the internet and what the rise in technology has done. We, we're built and we're being taught to want things now and everything needs to be fast, but being, leading a healthy life and eating healthily is a long game. And I mm. think a lot of people just need to swallow that fact. Yeah. You know, yeah. looking, looking at the clock, I think we're, we're slowly coming towards the end. We've covered a lot of stuff. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of information for people. And I guess, you know, if this, this was to be a session, um, we would go through a lot more of, you know, exactly what Ryan does for work, what his activity levels are, you know, um, what his art hobbies are, maybe what his expectations and responsibilities are at home, his access to food, budget, all those things, and then we'd look at what he eats. So yeah. in a session, a dietitian would take into consideration all those things before we make any sort of goals or recommendations. And of course, I'd ask Ryan what he actually wants. Yeah, and that's it. It is, it is about us or it is about you. So think about what your goal is. Mm-hmm. So, George, what's your life hack for the for the week just to help the people out there? Yeah, so obviously when we're doing these sort of targeted sessions and podcasts, we have the life hack to coincide with that. Mine is just to keep it simple. So when people start... Um, making some healthy changes they can get into the habit of overhauling or you know trying to make those fancy meals we're talking about create a recipe bank of about maybe five to six trusted recipes that you can make in about 20 to 30 minutes and just kind of rotate through those really simply once you get confident with that and being able to prep them ahead of time then you can try something new but don't try and do new things and meal prep and plan ahead when you've never done it before Cool. Awesome. And uh, my life hack is watching YouTube videos. And with that, that's my, I've come to learn that that's my preferred mode of learning is watching videos and listening. I've got a visual element and I've got a, an audible element there. Um, and I, there's, there's a lot of people now, I think, um, online. I watch Vice Munchies quite a bit because they've got interesting people and they've got all these cool backgrounds, but they're they're fantastic chefs. So even stuff like learning how to chop your veggies properly, that tucking your thumb in so you don't chop your thumb off. Um, and then as well, just learning those couple of simple things like what herbs and spices go really well together. Yeah. That's really helped me um, learn how to cook and learn how to make healthy cooking better. And then as well, teaming up with George yeah. on how to, you know, what how things, how to adjust. Cause there are some, there are some, uh, that, that are out there and they say, you know, put in like a whole stick of butter or something. And I look at that and go, cool, that'll, that'll taste great. And then George goes, nah, your heart will explode or something like that. <laughs> so well, who's your favorite, who's your favorite chef? Cause we have a fun story. Oh, so yeah, been, um, been vibing on Maddie Matheson at the moment. So if if he ever hears or listens, shout out to Maddie Matheson. I made a breakfast hash of his, but slightly altered it a little bit. And um, Georgia managed to get a like on her Instagram because she it was crazy. Yeah, we, like, tagged him in it, and 
you know, just mentioned him in, in the description and he liked it. So we like screenshot it and we were like, yeah, we're famous. So. <laughs> and that's us. It's the, big, no. it's, it's the beginning. It's the, yeah, yeah. So That's the catalyst. That, and like, to be honest, when I used to come home from school at about four o'clock on Channel 10, there were always cooking shows I would enjoy watching. And I learned a lot of skills just from watching cooking shows or watching MasterChef. And you learn a lot of just basic stuff and ideas for recipes as well. So don't be afraid to to try something different and watch things online or read cookbooks, for instance. I love a good cookbook. Yeah. I love it. And so to finish up, we also have obviously our weekly advice. So these are the things that get us through adulthood or maybe we're just really vibing on for the week. So Ryan, do you have something that you're a little bit obsessed with? Yeah, this week it's uh, it's scrambled eggs. And again, I, I I watch online cooking shows quite a bit just in my spare time. I don't know, just a form of procrastination that is the illusion of productivity, I think. Watching someone else cook feels nice. Um, but a thing I learned was if you're ever cooking scrambled eggs, start with a cold pan so that you can control the, the speed of the cooking really. Um, so, yeah, that's been, that's been working. So, for me two eggs in the pan and then just a little bit of garlic butter just to oh that garlic butter yeah it's Ooh, pretty it might have to be a weekly advice in itself <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's probably that. that's probably another one um yeah. so yeah scrambled eggs been getting me getting me nice. a good start to the day nice and what about you george mine is my new diary or like the new several diaries that i have so i'm a stickler for organization and Having a bit more spare time to do my own things, I've been really structured with my days and been very productive. So having that diary and an actual big day planner I can leave on my desk has been really great because I've been breaking down, you know, the hours I want to get things done in and, and being more specific and I'm much more accountable if it's down and done and written there that I'll be able to tick it off by the end of the day. So my new diary is my best friend. All right. Never seen one of those in my life, even though... <laughs> I'm a teacher, but I'm on school holidays, so I'm just cruising at the moment. Well, George, I think that brings us to the end of our second full podcast. So hope you've enjoyed me being being at the steering wheel, at the helm, as they say in nautical terms. But um, it's been fun being in charge for a little bit. It won't happen too often. Nah, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You did a good job. So hopefully you enjoyed the session. If you do have any more nutrition-related questions or health-related questions, feel free to hit me up on Instagram and click fuel, slide into my DMs. Um, I do have some one-on-one sessions. That's the, the phone call I got earlier was organizing a client. So you can come and see me if you do need individual advice or I do group education too, just a you know shameless plug there. Um, but yeah, that's all from us. As always, thanks for supporting our podcast and listening in, but you can also drop five stars, subscribe, and share the podcast with friends on InstaStory. Keep your eyes and ears open for our next podcast that will drop in a couple of weeks. We will chat to you next time. Enjoy.